Hello, and welcome to this episode of a Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I'm your host, Galen Nuttall, and this podcast is all about supporting physicians, especially Canadian ones, in all areas of life, including finance, well-being, family, and practice. Now, a quick question before we hop on over to the episode. Are you working with an advisor and you're confused as to how they get paid and are left wondering if you're getting value for the fee that you are paying? If so, you are not alone, and I've got good news for you because I've got something for you. If you hop on over to galenhelpstocks.com, that's G-A-L-E-N helpstocks.com because that's how my name is spelled, you can download a free service guide that spells out exactly what it's like to work with me, either on a fee-based basis or other ways. And I've got direct links to two videos that explain how fees work in general and my top tips on how to pick an advisor that's going to be a good fit for you. And you'll also be on my list to be the first to find out when I release a new podcast episode, YouTube video, or when I've scheduled a webinar for physicians and their partners. And while you're on the site, you can read up on how I support physicians with big decisions, like how can I make the most of my corporation or am I on track for retirement? So thanks for checking that out. And be sure to go to galenhelpsdocs.com to check out that guide and the links to those videos. And now on with the show. All right, so first off, welcome to the show, Brenda St. Louis, coming at me all the way from Vancouver, right? Somewhere out in BC. Yeah, uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, thanks, thanks for being on. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know, Brenda St. Louis is an accredited financial counselor, financial therapist, certified money coach, trauma of money facilitator, and certified financial planner candidate. So certainly a lot going on there. And what really, uh, we met kind of randomly on Facebook, I saw a video you had around money archetypes. And I'm very fascinated by the idea of money mindset, the way we relate to money. And yet I don't know, honestly, like, I don't know a ton about it. I don't know really how to like, engage people in that conversation. Like I know enough from conversations I've had and experience I've had, but certainly nothing compared to the degree you have. So I'm very interested in hearing the insight you have around this topic. I love talking about money and just bringing it to archetypes is really fun because it's a great way for people to kind of look at themselves without judging themselves. And I know that you ended up taking the quiz too. Some people take the quiz and it was really interesting when you had said that, you know, you want to answer the questions honestly in the quiz because it gives us a sense of what our behaviors are and how how we can support them and heal maybe some of the things that are in the way of us having a joyful relationship with money. So I don't know, did you, do you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about the money archetypes and go into that with a little more depth? Yeah, I'd love to. Definitely. I think that's a good place to go. I mean, obviously you're the expert, so we'll go wherever it makes sense. But um, yeah, to like give some context to people, I mean, you, you know, tell us a bit more. You've got a, a quiz that I just took about earlier today because I wanted to know my archetype. And I haven't told you my archetype yet. I figured I'd tell you live on the show. Um, but yeah, tell us about the archetypes. Tell us about the quiz. Like people, people need to know. Well, I have been doing financial therapy and money coaches, money coaching for the last 13 years. And I found that, you know, there's a lot of emotional stuff up around money. I think it's one of the most emotional and energetic um, blocks for a lot of people. People have done so much personal development on mm -hmm. themselves, their body, their, their, their spirit. Um, but money seems to be the last holdout for a lot of people. And it was, for me, a really challenging place to navigate myself. So 
about 13 years ago, I really wanted to make this my life's work and work on both sides of the game, the financial literacy, being confident, understanding what you're doing, being a badass with money, (laughs) to having a really emotionally healthy and balanced relationship with money. And I found that those two things often didn't go together, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And so it's been a journey. It's been a powerful and amazing journey of discovering what works and what doesn't work around money. And I really would love to talk about the money archetypes. But before I do, I want to talk about this kind of holistic approach to money because mm-hmm. we have our right brain and our left brain and our right brain is kind of that emotional feeling, um, spacious, creative, intuitive part. And our left brain is more of that linear numbers, um, you know, r- like the balance of like the, you know, the, the good, the bad, the right and the wrong kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And when we study numbers and learn about budgeting and investing and all that stuff, you have to engage that part of your brain. Mm -hmm. And what happens when people engage this part of the brain, this part shuts off. Mm. And when people engage the emotional brain, the intellectual brain shuts off. Okay. Yeah. I think that's the biggest problem with money, right? So we have to be able to navigate and go back and forth so that we get a little more muscle, a little more facility about going into the right brain and the left brain. So the work that I do marries, um, okay, let's learn about finance. How are you feeling? How are you regulating? What's going on in your body? What's going on? So you don't blast through the, 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 the body when you're doing this. And then we go to process in, you know, we could do somatic work, we could do Mm -hmm. tapping, we can do cognitive therapy. I am a hypnotherapist. So I do a lot of work with bringing people down into that trance state to rewire some of the programs that we might have inherited from our family and things Mm -hmm. like that. Oh, man, so so much to talk about there. So first off, I try not to like regret anything, but I wish I'd met you 10 years ago when I became a financial advisor <laughs> because what you said really I, earlier today, I was literally talking uh, to someone about this, which is, you know, as a financial planner, sometimes I feel stuck when people are making completely what I consider to be illogical decisions. And so I talk, like when I became a financial advisor, basically what they said was you take people through a process, you find out what they care about, you find out how much money they have, you find out how much they can put away, and then da da. Like it was kind of like this very numbers based. Like there's some goal setting, but like pretty superficial. And then it was like, and then there's like this common thing of let the numbers do the talking. And so I had this thought when I became an advisor that if I could prove to someone with numbers that this decision was better than this decision, they would just go ahead and do it. <laughs> that is completely inaccurate almost like, I don't know about all the time, but like a lot, because I would say, Hey, look at this thing. This approach statistically is a better approach than this approach. So obviously the rational brain is going to do this and it wasn't happening all, you know, consistently. And I still like, I mean, just, um, I literally met with someone a couple of weeks ago and, you know, they had, you know, they have a whole bunch of money invested. We met years ago, right before the pandemic hit, they had this issue, the pandemic hit, they were about, you know, it kind of slowed things down we met again recently to talk about the same issue they have two years later and they're with other advisors. And they literally said to me, my current advisors don't care about me. Mm. But they're not moving. Like, and they said, yeah, I can tell you'd care about me, but I'm still not going to move. And I remember just being, and I remember like, wow, that just doesn't make logical sense. To me. <laughs> so I know there's a lot going on, right? Like there's different personality things and all that. But I will say like, when you said that when you, you're using this side of the brain, this side shuts down. And when you're using this side, this side shut down, I see that 
all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's what your physiology does, yeah. you know, it's survival in a lot of ways, but we are capable of evolving. Mm, good. <laughs> and the world around money and creating a healthy relationship with money involves three things. And the first thing is peace. You know, if you're mm. feeling scarcity and you're not trusting and you feel like the carpet's going to be pulled out from underneath you and all of that stuff, you don't have peace. You just can't relax. And I ha- I work with millionaires that have struggle with peace. Like it, it's not about the amount of money in your bank. It's about how do you develop and cultivate a peaceful relationship with money. And then the second piece is confidence. It's like, okay, well, if someone's throwing all this jargon at me, what is it? You know, and if you have confidence about how money works, how the rules work and all of that stuff, that if someone's going to pull the wool over your eyes, you're going to see it, you're going to know it and you can, you can navigate it. Confidence also is negotiating your wage. It's, it's everything from taking a stand about something that is little, that there's injustice around it financially. And then the last thing is joy. Because why are we here in the first place? We're supposed to enjoy things and understand the beauty of the fabric you're wearing or the food you're eating. And joy is multi-layered. So joy also is, you know, it doesn't take from someone else. Mm -hmm. So it might be buying organic food, right? So that the pesticides are not destroying the planet, or you might be buying local, or you're not buying fast fashion that's going to go into the landfill in six months. So joy has all kinds of ethical pieces, a part of it too. But when you have peace, confidence, and joy dialed in brilliantly, Mm. you could have all your money taken away from you and you'd be fine. Mm. That's a healthy relationship with money. Okay. So, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'm just going to say, like, when you said that, I'm like, is that really true? And I do believe you. <laughs> but like, <laughs> there's this sense of like, like, I and like to be like, like, to look at the history of things like I uh, like hypnotherapy and things like that. Like I had, I had like up to about five years ago, I had zero experience with any of those modalities around uh, like some of the somatic, you know, somatic hypnotherapy, any sort of meditation and zero experience with any of that. So if I'd had this conversation five years ago, I would have nodded politely and said, mm, sure, sure, sure. <laughs> and now I'm like, all right, let's take a look at this. Like, so having peace, having confidence, having joy, because um, you know, and I, and I get that, like, and like you said, like, um, absolutely what you said like it doesn't necessarily matter how much you have like it's not a matter of oh once i have x then these things will happen which is commonly what people think right like once i have whatever number someone has assigned to financial peace or financial stability or whatever once i have that much saved up then all these things will happen and it sounds like creating that creating that peace confidence and joy completely independently of the actual numbers is that more well, or less accurate or it's not independent because right. you can't have confidence unless you're working with your numbers and you can't mm. have peace unless you are interacting and there, there's so many great examples for this like i lived in seoul korea for like eight years i made tons of money i did television and radio and all of that stuff and i just spent it like you wouldn't believe <laughs> like i just blew through it and i felt so abundant and i enjoyed everything i knew nothing about money mm. and 
when I came back to Canada and tried to get my life going again, I had money just fell through my fingers. Like I didn't, I couldn't do anything. And I went back into scarcity. I had the fear I had that like, you know, and tightening up and and I'm like, Oh, I thought I had done my work around money. Mm. And like, there's this, you get to test it. Right. So like in 2008, I had a really, really, um, um, uh, inspiring mentor. And in 2008, his entire wealth, um, gone. Mm-hmm. Ran a couple companies that went bankrupt and wow. he had zero, nothing. He had a lot of debt that he had to take with him, but he had zero, nothing. And he was happy. He was so balanced. And I was like, what's mm. going on? He's like, well, I can make it again. I mean, it's oh, wow. easy to do this, you know? And so he embodied a healthy relationship with money. Mm right? He didn't go into scarcity and lack and fear. So it is a state of mind, but you actually have to understand money. You have yeah. to know it. You have to engage with it. You have to have an intimacy with is it what is what I say. Yeah, that's really good. Okay. So yeah, so it's definitely not disconnected, but it's like you're, you're present, you know, what's happening. You have a familiarity with it. You're not afraid of it. Like you're not hiding from the reality of it. And I think that's, um, yeah, that's really great. And I can see how that would be a very, like, just like you said, like when you said that he lost everything, I thought you were then going to say, and then his life was over, you know, his life was ruined. Like, I didn't know, I didn't think you were about to say, and he was fine with it because he said, I could just make it again. And I can't help but think like, well, having that attitude probably led him to be able to do it all over again. Mm-hmm. Whereas if he had said, wow, I'm never going to let that happen again, or I regret what happened. Like if it had been a different um, mindset towards it, he probably wouldn't have been able to, to, to kind of exactly. rebuild. Yeah, mm. for sure. That's so true. And it's interesting. Like when we talk about the money archetypes, I often, well, the money, there's about 33 different types of Jungian archetypes out there, but mm. I have, um, just use nine of them in, I combined a couple and made my own money archetypes, the way mm. that we work with money. And I, it, 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 it was based on the certified money coach um, founder, Deborah Price. So she has her own value of it. And I've kind of um, riffed off it a little bit and mm-hmm. created something that mi- m- matches what I see with people. Mm-hmm. So the first one is innocent. And that's what we all are when we're born, right? Mm-hmm. We don't have to take care of our clothes or food and everything's taken care of. And But as a kid, you don't worry about money. If you do, then you probably don't have a really healthy innocent, okay, as a kid. Because some kids are put to work at a young age and their value is connected to their worth and mm. what they do kind of thing. So innocent has all kinds of things attached to it. But as an adult, if you stay in innocent and you don't grow up, you, it shows up as like your head in the sand. You don't want to look at those bills, everything. Just you're, you're not good with numbers. Um, and you're afraid that the carpet's going to be pulled out from underneath you, but you act happy. You act like everything's okay. And you generally hit your wagon to someone that is good with money that mm. will take care of Right. So I work with a lot of innocents that maybe have left a marriage mm-hmm. and they didn't know na- anything about mm-hmm. finance. And they were like, ah, I don't know. So they're very, um, it's a very um, beautiful beginner's mind kind of 
la la beautiful place to be, but it could be really disempowering when you don't have any knowledge around money. Mm-hmm. The second one is the orphan. And the orphan, these two are the real young ones. The orphan mm-hmm. is the one that grows up with, you know, maybe really neglectful parents or abusive home, or they just lose confidence in, in authority and the powers to take care of them. So they feel like they have to take care of themselves and they can learn how to manipulate. They can learn how to lie and cheat and steal because no one's going to take care of them, but themselves, but they blame the world for everything that's happening to them. So they don't take responsibility. So they might say that, that, boss, he hired me and I didn't do anything wrong, or it was the economy, or I Mm. I work really hard and nothing, nothing works for me, you know? So there's a lot of blame externally around why they are where they are. There's a huge amount of resilience of an orphan. I often say orphans are the strongest archetype because they survive the, the worst conditions. You know, so they, they have a lot of tenacity, strength, and compassion too. Hmm. The next one is the fool. This is the one that, you know, will give you the shirt off their back and they don't even know it's the last shirt they own. And hmm. they'll gamble, they'll take risks. They're like adrenaline junkies, not very responsible, not very disciplined. They generally land on their feet because they roll the dice more than any other archetype. So they might win more than anyone else, but they also lose really big. And it's really hard for a fool to build a foundation. You know, they're just building more and more. I I was a fool. I think I still have tendencies of a fool, but I always say it's like, I'm, I'm on this yacht and I'm drinking champagne and having caviar and it's dancing and it's so much fun. And then all of a sudden someone throws me off the yacht and I'm holding onto a, a, a flotation device waiting for the next yacht to come by. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I never have my own yacht. And I remember mm-hmm. at one point, I'm like, I want my own yacht. I need to build something. <laughs> so that's a graduation from the fool. The next one is the artist. They're the one that mm-hmm. money is the root of all evil. They give away all their money. Or they don't know how to put a price on what they're worth or what they do. You know, it's hard for them to um, have a relationship with money. And they feel like it taints their art or their creativity. Mm-hmm right? So they don't have a really dynamic relationship with the physical world. They're more in that kind of ethers creation zone more than anything. So they don't take care of their, their things. Like, you know, they usually don't eat properly and they're like, don't like, you know, it's like they're, they could be very hermity as well. Um, and then there is the caregiver. So the caregiver is the one that takes care of everyone, you know, they rescue everyone, they, they, a really enlightened caregiver can't help it. It's Mm. just part of who they are. They need to take care. They need to do this. And it's so satisfying and nurturing for them. A really imbalanced caregiver gives so much that they don't know how to receive. So they're on empty, they're resentful. They might be passive aggressive. Caregivers are often perfectionists. And they want people to be grateful for what they do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're not, you will feel the wrath. So caregivers can be um, really, really um, authentically powerful and gifted. And they also can be detrimental to the, the process of having a healthy relationship with money. Mm-hmm. 
There's two more. No, there's three more. <laughs> three more. Uh, <laughs> are you good? Do you have any questions so far? No, no. I'm, this is amazing. I'm looking for these characteristics and like looking who do I know that might match up. And I'm definitely going to share the quiz and we'll talk. We'll, we'll definitely tell everyone the link of the quiz once we finish all nine of them. But uh, yeah, no, no, keep going. So then we have the tyrant. The tyrant has the energy of there's never enough. And I call it almost like a disease in a way, like they never feel like there's enough. So they have to hoard, they have to hold on to things They're They can show up as um, kind of gentle giants in a way, but very relentless in wanting all the details. They're the spreadsheet. I need the receipt for this and mm -hmm. marking all the paper and, and making sure that everything matches and consolidates or reconciles properly. Um, a lot of times an innocent will marry a tyrant mm. and there, there's a bit of a, um, a, a role there that they're playing with each other because one's taking care and the other one is, is being taken care of. Um, the tyrants are the quintessential politicians where there's never enough. There's never enough more, 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 more. And they personally never feel like there's enough. Mm. You can be a self tyrant where you don't feel like you're enough. No matter what you do, you're 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 always never doing it properly. Um, tyrants. If when I'm working with a tyrant, I often get them to volunteer mm. because they don't realize that they have worth beyond the dollar. A lot of time. Mm. So when they give back and they contribute back, they realize, oh. And most of the time, a tyrant didn't really get the love that they needed as a kid. You know, so everyone, when they think you're, when, when someone does the quiz and they think they're a tyrant, they feel awful. And I'm like, you know, a tyrant just needs to be held really, mm. you know, and it's in the money world, they're, they're revered, you know, they probably are great sure. saver. They have tons yeah, of money yeah. pat on the back for that. Mm -hmm. And it's not fair because they don't actually have a deep relationship of satisfaction and peace. And then the next one is the warrior. So the warrior is the one that will do what it takes to make it happen. So they know where they're going. They're going to work hard. They'll educate themselves to get the job done. They'll um, learn about finance. They'll save. Um, single moms are the ultimate warriors often because mm. they can make ends meet with very little, you know. Mm. And um, warriors will... Um, they're pro they're often justice oriented. Like they want to take care of the underdog, like mm -hmm. they have the girl complex. So you can have a really weary warrior that is just working all the time for everyone and saving everyone. And they just get tired. So they don't know how to receive help from other people that maybe, may maybe can support them. Mm. Um, and there's like all kinds of different warriors, different types of warriors, but an enlightened warrior just really leads the way and mm. does what it needs to be done and is very resilient and disciplined in the process. Mm -hmm. And then the last one is the wise elder. And this is my addition to the archetypes because I believe that we're moving into a new place with money and the wise elder is telling a new story and they're holding that pillar of joy. You know, when I talked about peace, confidence, and joy, oh my God, I missed one more. There's one after this one. So the warrior holds confidence and the wise elder holds um, peace. 
I mean, joy, joy. So they're not going to be succumb to marketing. They'll use their money to create impact in the world. And they're just telling a new story about the power that they have in the world with their money. So it's a really amazing um, place to lean into once you've dialed in all your understanding about money. It's like, okay, now what are you going to do with it? You know? And then the last one is the wizard. The wizard is the pillar of peace. And the wizard is the master manifester. They're the ones that believe that the universe has your back and it's all going to be okay. They have really dialed in intuition so they know when to go and when to stay. They might know when to to invest in a certain place and when to pull it out. Like, you know, so there's just this really unknowing um, and a trust. They trust that it's all going to be okay and more than okay. So those are the nine money archetypes. Very cool. And yeah, definitely, as you were talking, I was thinking of different interactions I've had with different people and, you know, very much seeing this reflected, you know, I'm, I'm definitely going to ask some people to take the quiz so they can discover for themselves. But, you know, certainly I'm seeing the client of mine who uh, earned very little their whole lives, but somehow managed to save an incredible amount of money and I have no idea how they did it, you know, definitely that warrior type and then definitely have met, um, you know, from at least from what you've said, the tyrant, um, people who come to the table with lots of spreadsheets and consume information and it's never enough. So I have one question um, that I feel like ties into this. And again, like I, I'm constantly striving to learn like the best way to approach different types of people with the work that I do and like different, like, I mean, I have a core foundational approach that I follow, but I'm happy to like adapt a bit. And the question would be around goal setting. And my favorite way to bring on a client is to start with what's really most important to them and why it's really most important to them and then build a plan that's going to support that in their lives. And do as much as I can for them not to feel like, you know, let's say someone says their goal is to retire or to buy a cottage or something that's in the distant future, how to have them experience whatever they think they're going to experience once they hit that now and not have to wait to experience that. But it's pretty fascinating, especially when I have a couples, like a couple sitting there, like, you know, partners. And I ask the question, you know, where do you, you know, three years from now, like, where do you see yourselves or what would you like to achieve? You know, sometimes people are, are very open to that question. Sometimes people really like don't respond to that question. Some people like I have, I had a conversation with someone multimillionaire a few weeks ago. They wanted to work. They said, okay, you know, maybe I'll work with you. I said, yeah, sure. And I said, what are you trying to do with all this? Like, what's the, what's the end goal? Like you've, you've been able to save a tremendous amount of money. You've still got a decade of work left. Where are you headed? And they couldn't tell me. And I felt like I was failing them in some way because I couldn't figure it out with them. And I just was like, with me, I just kind of stopped because I say, I don't know how to measure success if we can't figure out why you're doing, like, why are you even saving money in the first place? And so like, like, I'm just kind of like fascinated by that different people respond very differently to the idea of like setting a goal. Well, I think it's like a, um, I have a practice with every client that comes in where we do, we get 10 goals because mm. most often people just have, can write three, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah. But we, they have to write 10, wow. right? 
And we go through each one of the goals and they have to describe what that feels like. It is not always monetary either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, like for the, for the millionaire, I've worked with someone. They were like, I don't know. I've made enough money. I've got a great family. I'm healthy. I go on vacation. I don't know what I want. Right. Mm-hmm. And then so we start to talk about what's meaningful for them. Mm. You know, and a lot of times they're like, yeah, like maybe I'd like to volunteer or I'd like to, you know, like create something or like whatever. And so there's a feeling around it. And they're like, well, would you like to build a foundation? Do you know what I mean? Like, would you like to have a foundation with this money where it's constantly being reinvested and, and contributing to something you find meaningful? And would you like to be on the board of it? Would you like to be like, you know, like that kind of thing, like mm. just like play with different ideas that would open them up to think of different possibilities. But once you get those goals, we, I tighten them. I'm a wordsmith, right? So we tighten them into one clean sentence and we have the 10 goals and they have to be moving towards those goals every day during the tw- three months that I work with them anyway. Mm-hmm. And so one thing could be, what would be a good goal? What goal have you, that you've heard recently or what goal do you have? Let's say. <laughs> uh, what goal do I have? Uh, so goal I have would be to um, travel in January, like skip the coldest weeks of the year. So like, you know, travel for like three weeks out of here to escape the winter a little. So like one step that you could make today about that is look at a picture of a beach mm-hmm. or go online and look at something that would really enrich you. That would feel different than where you are right now. Like, you know, that's mm-hmm. one energy, like you've activated. And I like what you said, like you want to, have the feeling now rather than it being 10 years Mm -hmm. ago, right? Mm -hmm. You have to bring it into your experience. So it could be the similar thing like you thought of it. You talk Mm -hmm. about it to your partner. You, you know, you imagined what it would be like to be, you know, tanned. Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, warm sand, you know, salty breeze. Yeah, definitely like the sensation of it all. Mm Mm-hmm. I got that. Yeah. So, I mean, when you, when you say working towards that goal, it's not necessarily putting away $10. It could be, you know, really getting present to what that goal means for me or like taking a look at it. Yeah. I mean, I I really love that because I definitely find like, you know, like I'll meet um, some of my younger clients will say, Oh, I want to own a home. And I say, great. Have you picked one out? You know, or have you, have you looked for one? And they're like, no, like, cause I'm not gonna be able to save up, you know, especially the way that housing is now. I mean, if I talk to someone in Vancouver or Toronto, it's like, how are they going to do it? Um, so I'm like, you haven't even picked what you want. Like start looking. And sometimes that's that leap of, and I get that, like, it's that leap of, oh, I'm dreaming too big or like, this is premature or like, am I allowed to think this way? Like definitely that comes up for people. I think. Yeah, for sure. And once you leap past that, it's like the goal comes closer, right? Mm-hmm. I always like, I have this amazing uh, mortgage broker I refer people to. And she knows that sometimes they're just not in the market, but she sits them down, talks about how much they need, what it would look like, mm-hmm. and all these things and everything. And they're like, oh, wow, it is possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah, exactly. Like I, I call the friend who's in Toronto, doesn't want to be in Toronto much longer, wants to be out of Toronto. So I just 
we got on a Zoom call. I shared my screen. I went on realtor.ca and I was like, where do you want to live? And we started looking. <laughs> I was like, you know, let's figure it out. And they're actually kind of shocked that, you know, out my way, a bit away from the city, you can still find things reasonable. Um, yeah. So, and I think like what I really want to like make sure I take away from this is, what I'm getting is like, if someone is struggling to set the goal in the context that I've given them, which is usually like, let's fast forward a few years, looking back, what would you like to have achieved? Not just financially, like I do say personally, like in the areas of life important. I, I'm, what I'm seeing is maybe drilling more into like, you're saying like, what's important to them? What lights them up? Like, when do they feel the most? Like, cause I, I've done things around um, like helping people identify their superpowers. So I say things like, you know, what can you get lost doing for hours like what do you do that makes time stand still like those kinds of questions and i'm seeing that i could bring a little bit in that when people start faltering or like not being able to connect with the goal setting questions like the more traditional ones yeah that's a beautiful way of doing it yeah, yeah giving it time too you know it's not a rush yeah practice. yeah yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. Because it is, it is, and I, I mean, I say to you, like, we're going to have an uncommon conversation, especially if it's a couple. Like, you guys have probably never, there's a quite a good chance you've never answered these questions together or ever to anyone. <laughs> you know, like, wh where are you, where do you want to be? And, uh, and I have gotten a little bit more, um, what's the word, flexible in my approach. Like, it used to be like, ah, oh, people have to come up with, you know, this very set way of having a goal. And it's not always the case at all. So, yeah, and I can see how different archetypes respond to that question in different ways of, you know, I can see how the artist might just say, well, I don't even want to talk about the money side of things or, you know. And so when it comes to these archetypes, this I can't help but wonder is, do you think that different professions tend to be different archetypes? Or do you think, like you said, the single mom is a warrior. Like, do you feel like it's there's tendencies, you know, that like run? I mean, I'd hesitate. Yeah, go ahead. I think it's there's more masculine and feminine okay. uh, types too, but it's not always that way. Sure. I I think I have more tyrant women that I work with mm. than than and more um, caregiving men that are mm. like contributing and giving back. So I never want to genderize them, but sure. professionally, I think like an accountant might be more of a uh, like and I've worked with accountants and financial advisors that just wanted a deeper em emotional relationship with money, and mm. they were great numbers, right? But they mm. that was their safety, you know, it was their safety blanket looking at the numbers that mm. made sense logically, but they didn't have a connection to the emotional piece, right? So mm. um, it, it, that could show up as many archetypes, but it probably isn't an innocent. Right, like an someone, an innocent right. doesn't know anything about money. So, innocents are nonprofit employees. They're um, people. There can be artists as as well as innocents. Sure. That way. they're usually people that may be moms that married young and stayed moms and didn't have a job. They could be, you know, even young millennials. I, there was a study done that I couldn't believe it. 50 no 65 percent of millennial women wanted a man to take care of them hmm. and it's like all the feminists that have done all the work in the world to like create these independent women that are creating their own and now the new young 30 year olds are like no i just want to stay at home and be taken care of you know <laughs> wow that is that is surprising yeah oh. interesting interesting it's interesting yeah 
No, that is interesting. Yeah, so I mean, definitely, I can see how different people would be attracted. Different archetypes would be attracted to different types of work. Like, you're not likely going to find an innocent that's all that interested in working in any sort of financial, you know, gain, you know, that side of things. So yeah, no, that's really cool. And then, what would you say? Like, so what is the what is the um what would you say is the biggest um the biggest win for someone to understand their archetype? Like, let's say you take the quiz, you get your archetype. Now what? Well, like a great example is an innocent that because I'll get innocents that reach out to me because they're they they are afraid of people taking advantage of them, right? Mm. Because they don't know anything. So there's this awareness that they don't know know anything, and then holding their hand step by step to get more and more educated. And you watch them like go, I know my stuff. Like you know, there's this confidence <laughs> that comes in, and they feel mm. like they can hold their own. Um, so when you've watched like a tyrant who is so in the, the ledger systems and looking at everything and, and being very closed, mm. you don't, cause it's like scary. It's mm-hmm, scary to mm-hmm. be in the emotional landscape. Yeah. And, um, and then all of a sudden they, they recognize that there's more. And I've had beautiful, amazing hearted men just tear up recognizing that, you know, they, they want to be taken care of. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> they want to have to do all of it. They want to lean on someone, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's beautiful to watch, you know, a, a warrior or like even an innocent become a warrior mm-hmm. or like a tyrant has a hard time becoming a wizard. We're just trusting and manifesting mm-hmm. and trusting that the universe has their back. They're like, what universe, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So it is, it's nice to, I often say that we on our journey have evolved through all eight, nine of them, Mm. you know, we have all nine of them within us right? and we just um, lean into different ones at different times. Mm -hmm. I can totally see that. Like how, how there's an element of each that I can kind of relate to in different ways. Um, So definitely get that. So I'm hearing like the more someone can understand their archetype, the more they can look at um you know the more they can look at their relationship and then start it sounds like it's one of the first steps in getting having that peace uh joy and uh was it confidence confidence yeah Yeah. i think married couples when they or or people dating when they learn each other's archetype it's a great conversation starter about how Mm. why we are the way we are absolutely oh for sure like it's i mean like you've said um it's pretty fascinating when I sit down with a couple because typically there will be like either the person who wants to talk about it and the person who doesn't or the person who's numbers oriented and the person who isn't or the person who says I'm bad at math. But what I find is a lot of times so my fir- in my first meeting with people, I don't usually talk a lot about numbers. Like it's not really a lot about graphs and charts or anything like that. So a lot of times, whichever spouse is more hesitant to look at numbers or talk about numbers can get very interested in what's happening in a way that they're not used to. And so that's really fun to see. And then even when I do talk about numbers, I usually do it in a way like I take my master's background and I draw things out. I make them incredibly simple. And so a lot of times people feel like um, very it's very non-threatening in the sense of like, you're not going to, we're not going to have a conversation that you can't understand. Like That's my goal. Like you're going to be able to understand every conversation we have mm-hmm. at all times. <laughs> we need more of you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, there was a study a while back that said more, more than half of people are more confused about their finances after they meet with their advisor than before. 
And I think that it comes from, like I used to hire and train advisors. And I think that um, there's a certain level of um, baffling people with BS sometimes where it's like, I'm just going to talk really technical because I'm afraid someone's going to ask me a question and I'm going to have to admit I don't know something. And so like I would hire advisors and they'd be just spouting like um, uh, jargon and stuff. And I would pull out an empty piece of paper and draw and people would say like, you can't draw for people. <laughs> like, you know, like you're meeting with these sophisticated physicians or business owners and you're going to do a drawing. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do a drawing because, you know, if they tell me not to, I'll stop, but most people really like it. So I'll start with a drawing. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> I love it. And it's like, we're all so different learners, right? Like we yeah. could be aesthetic, we could be visual, we could be auditory. Absolutely. You know, it's not, it doesn't make sense that you think everyone's going to learn it the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Some people respond more to stories, um, examples. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, we've talked a lot about the archetypes. We've talked about the quiz. We've talked about the value and understanding your archetype and your partner's archetype. So where, what's the easiest way for people to find this? Because I want to make sure people hear that and I'll put the link everywhere this is posted. Yeah, it's on my website, brendastlouis.com. And it, it comes up on the first page. Hopefully it stays that way. Someone's doing my website, redoing my website. So we'll see. <laughs> Keep it there. Yeah, yeah. So brendastlouis.com. Perfect. Yeah. And you can get in there, take the quiz, you get your results. Um, there's a video for every result, I think. You made like a YouTube yeah. video kind of, yeah, perfect. Because, yeah, awesome. No, that's amazing. So that's certainly, and then what else, like, I mean, we should talk very quickly um, about, like, what is it? You mentioned a 30-day, like, program. So what does it look like for people to work with you? Like, what what would you say is, like, what is what, someone who's listening to this saying, oh, I don't know if I should reach out to Brenda and ask questions. Like who, what would you say is someone uh, like someone who could likely benefit from the work you do? Like what would they, what would I don't work with have? everyone. Mm-hmm. So you have to meet a certain criteria, I guess, but I do work with a lot of people and I love putting people through my three month immersive mm-hmm. because that's where we start to rewire the brain. We, we do financial literacy, emotional literacy, all the things. And when, if it, if you fit that paradigm and you, and you want to work with me that way, I, you can book a call. I do about a half an hour call to just kind of get to know you to see if it's a good fit. And then we can start. Amazing. So same website, brandonstlouis.com. It's on, you can just, it, it's a book a call with me. Pick a time yeah. that works. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for being on here. I really appreciate your insight. I've learned a ton. Um, I feel like I need to watch every video about every archetype and keep it in mind, or maybe ask some of my clients to take the quiz to see what comes out. I think I'll understand people a lot better if I do that. But uh, no, thank you so much for being on here. Oh, my pleasure. And if you go to my YouTube channel, you can watch yeah. all of the... I wondered. I was like, I'm going to click on the YouTube yeah. channel there and sneak my way through all of them. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. So last, I want to make sure everyone knows where to find you. I'll say it one more time. So, uh, so uh, brendastlouis.com is where they find you. Like the city, but I say St. Louis. Yeah. Louis. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. This is awesome. All right. Take care. Bye. Thanks so much for having joined me on this episode of the Clean Bill of Wealth podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to listen in. It really warms my heart when I see the number of listens go up. And feel free to scroll through all the other episodes where I've interviewed different 
amazing people and getting their insight into the lives of physicians and how they support them. And if you're left wondering anything around your financial plan, whether you're making the most of your corporation, if you're getting value for the fees that you're paying for your existing advisors, head on over to galenhelpsdocs.com. That's G-A-L-E-N helpsdocs.com to download my free service guide and get links to the videos where I explain exactly how fees work in Canada and tips for picking an advisor that's going to work for you. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you on the next episode.